hear me. What about now? You got my American accent? Is it okay? We speak bad English in America, you know, so it's not the proper British English, but uh, excited to be with you on your third birthday. Come on, three years of amazingness, awesomeness, greatness, and there's just great things ahead. Uh, if I can just take the next maybe four and a half hours, we're going to have a revival today. Amen. You have nowhere else to go. This is our third birthday. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have four hours of preaching. I just want to share on the subject, I'm not dying in the wilderness. I'm not dying in the wilderness. Uh, I shared this message in our Vision Sunday at our church. Uh, we're going to be having audacious fruit this year. And the church was like, well, Pastor, what is the audacious fruit? What does it look like? And my response was, I don't know. can't tell you. Uh, but what I can tell you this is if you want some audacious fruit, it's going to require some audacious actions. Yeah. That word audacious means to be bold, to be brave, to be fearless, to be daring, to do something that you've never done before. If you want the same results, keep doing the same thing. But if you want something different, if you want something amazing, you're going to have to do something amazing. Uh, I'm trusting God for an iPhone 10, not an X, iPhone 10. Uh, you know, for all those Apple lovers out there, you are saved. Uh, if you have a Samsung, we're praying for your salvation. Amen. If you, uh, if you have a who are we, who are we, who are, who are, or whatever. Um, yes, exactly. God is going to be saying, who are you? <laughs> uh, but if you've got an Apple product, you are good. You are golden. You are going to heaven. Amen. Praise Jesus. If you have a who are we, we are having an altar call for you after service. <laughs> but I'm just a guy for iPhone 10, and I sold an iPhone 6, and I have an iPhone 7 in my bag that I'm taking to sell into my mom's life. Uh, so I know my 10 is somewhere around the corner. It might be you who's going to bring it to me. I don't know. But if the Lord speaks to you, I am open. Spirit, spirit, move. Spirit of the living God, move, move. Move. Uh, when I was in grade three, I had the opportunity to uh, be in the orchestra in our primary school. And so we got to pick any instrument that we wanted. And so I decided to pick the trombone. Uh, not the saxophone, not the clarinet, not the flute. I wanted the trombone. The trombone was an audacious instrument for me uh, because I loved how you got to move your arms. And I always wanted to have those amazing biceps. So I figured this was a way to do it as well. And so uh, I went up to the teacher and said, teacher, I want the trombone. The teacher said, you know what? You can't have the trombone. Your, your, your arms are too short. And I said, excuse me? Your arms are too short. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You learn about me that if you ever tell me no, I'm going to figure out how to get the yes. You close the front door, I'm going to go through the back door. I'll break a window. Whatever I need to do to get into the promise. My wife told me no a couple of times. Look where she is now. You know what I'm saying? I will not be denied. You know, it's true. She was dating somebody and I became her best friend. She was dating somebody. I became her best friend. If you're single, if you're single, guys, if you're single and there's a girl you want, just become the best friend. That's all. Become the best friend. So when even if they're dating, you know, when their boy breaks up and they're crying, here's my shoulder. The boy broke up with her. 
she was crying on my shoulder. And like the Song of Solomon, the east wind and the north wind and all the winds. She smelled something from me. And I was like, yeah. This is, it's been here all this time. Your nine shining armor has been your best friend all these years. Just wait. Okay, let me get into the word. I chose this audacious instrument, and she said, well, if you can hit this line, if you can put your arm out and pass this line, then you can have it. And I barely, you know, went over the line, and she's like, you know what, you, you want this. You're determined. You know what, it's yours. You can have the trombone. It's an audacious instrument. And so if you want something audacious, if you want to do something amazing, if you want God to move in your life, you're going to have to do something amazing as well. You're going to have to take a bold step. You're going to have to do something daring, something that's going to scare the heebie-jeebies, whatever a heebie-jeebie is. But if God, if God is going to do something in your life, you are going to have to step out first. You're going to have to take that first step. A couple of ground rules. When I teach, I like to tell jokes. I love to tell stories. And the thing about a joke is it doesn't have to be funny for you to laugh. Just laugh anyway. Really? In the first service, everybody laughed at that. In the second service, everybody was looking at me like, I could be offended, but I choose not to. See, there was another opportunity for you right there. And still, it's fine. But I want to go to one of the most audacious stories for me in the Bible, found in Numbers chapter number 13, verse 23. It's the story of the 12 spies, uh, the spies that were sent out to spy out the land, the land flowing of, of milk and honey. It's a, it's a familiar story to some, but it's a story that blessed me, and I've shared it uh, with others, and I want to share it with you today. And I'm reading from the Living Bible, so it might sound a little bit different, but it's okay. It's good anyway. Verse 23 says, Then they came to what is now known as the Valley of Eskol, where they cut down a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. I would love some grapes like that. That is that is crazy. You, can you imagine you roll in the pick and pay, checkers, spar, wherever it is that you go to shop, and, and, and you pull out a grape the size of your head. Give me one. I won't have fruit salad. We will just have grape salad for the week. But just give me one. The size of my head. I'm glad I have a big head. Because that means the grape can be the size of my head. Now, but not only that, but it was so, it was a cluster of those grapes that they had to put it on a pole and carry it between the two of them. It required two people, not one, but two people to carry some grapes. Could you imagine going into Woolworths, calling your wife, hey babe, I need your help. What? To carry these grapes. What are you talking about? Babe, these grapes are huge. They're the size of my head. Well, how much are they going? They're the same price as the regular grapes. They're just the size of our head. We need help carrying the blessing. Come on, y'all. Could you imagine some grapes like that? Could you imagine uh, walking in the church late on Sunday and having to sit outside in the overflow room? Pastor, why we can't just be in another room? Because that overflow room is full because you were still late. Come on, could you imagine having a problem like that to where the overflow house? I, I cannot wait. I look forward to the day when they come up to me in church and say, Pastor, we have no more chairs. I can't wait till we have to solve that problem. 
I'm, I'm so so kind of just out there that I, I started just pulling chairs out and just saying, you know what, we're just going to have less chairs. Let me force people. That's <laughs> what I did. Tanya's my witness. I put a wall. I, I put a fake wall up and had chairs on the other side. So people came in and just sat on the other side so they could sit in the back. Because they knew we moved the wall at a certain point. So I said, today, don't move the wall. So I got up there. I said, if you're on the other side of the wall, the wall's not moving. You're not in church today. All the blessings that we're giving out today are for those who are in the church. If you're on the other side, you're not in the church. Oh, man, you should have seen the folk grabbing their Bibles coming the other side of the wall. But we got to do some bold Come on, this is year three, but it's not the end, it's still the beginning. It's time for us to go even further than we did the last three years. It says here, they also took some samples of pomegranates and figs. The Israelis named the valley of Skal at the time, meaning cluster, because of the cluster of grapes they found. After 40 days of exploration, they returned from their tour. They made their report to Moses, Aaron, and all the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they showed the fruit they had brought with them. This was their report. We arrived in the land you sent us to see, and it is indeed a magnificent country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some fruit we have brought as proof, but some buts will get you in trouble. Spiritually, physically. Oh, fellas, don't play me now. You, know, you, you try to look forward, like. But some butts will get you in trouble. If you're not laughing, it's because I'm telling you the truth, huh? But, see, now, you bring this great report. And then there's this but. You bring this good news, and then you want to take the good news and turn it into some bad news. You ever seen how the news does that? They take something that was good, and then they try to turn it into something bad? Or, or someone's doing something good, but then they want to find a way to discredit the person that's doing something good? Just because you think it's good news, somebody can try to change it into some bad news. Started off with the good report, but they took the good report and turned it into a bad. But the people living there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. And what's more, we saw Anakim giants there. The Amalekites live in the south, while in the hill country there there are Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites. Down along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and in the Jordan River Valley are the Canaanites. But, here's another but. But Caleb reassured the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go up at once and possess it. He didn't say let us go up at once and look at it. Let's go up at once and possess it. 
Let's enjoy those grapes. Let's eat the pomegranates. Let's turn it into juice. Let's sell it. People might want to buy it in a few years. He said, for we are, this is my favorite part, for we are well able to conquer it. For we are well able to conquer it. If we want a hundred life groups here at Faith Hill, we are well able to conquer it. If we want to launch three, four more campuses, we are well able to conquer it. If we want to go to five, six services, we are well able to conquer it. If we want to buy our own building with cash, we are well able to conquer it. If we want to get a new car, we are well able. Come on, church. We are well able to conquer it. Now, this is a 10 o'clock service. Y'all should be wide awake by now. I know the club was rough, but we in church today. Oh, see, if you ain't laughing on that one, we done located you. We done located you. Uh-huh. He said, no, I won't settle. Settle for less. No, you won't. We're going to have to do some audacious things to get some audacious fruit. I'm saying I want some, I want great, I want great the size of my head in my life. You see, it doesn't make sense. If God gives you a taste of something, he's not going to give you a taste of it and then take it back. He's not going to give you a taste of something and say, you know what, I was just playing. I just wanted you to experience it, but that's not true. No, if God gives you a taste of something, he's telling you this is going to be your lifestyle. And if it's your lifestyle, get used to it. As as we speak, I'm preaching to you on one of my biggest faith projects right now. Don't worry. Ask me what it is. Because I don't want to swage you in trying to help me to meet the need. But if the Lord speaks to you, then I know. Then I know. Spirit, you're moving. Look at this. It's your third birthday. You're three. Three in in numerology means perfection. But it also means completion. Completion in the sense that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Nothing more that you need. So when you begin to break down this concept of perfection, when you break down this concept of perfection, you're talking about, get this off, you're talking about conforming to the ideal type. So as a church, you're conforming to the ideal type of church that's needed in four ways. It's not saying that you're conforming to what people want. You're conforming to the ideal type of church that they need. There's a difference between what you want versus what you need. You may want a certain car. But let's just go there. You may want a Maserati. But if you live in an environment where there are no parts for Maserati, God will say, but you don't need that. Because if it breaks down, you'll be stuck. So you're becoming the church that is needed here. 
the church that people need. They may or might, not, might not know it, but I need what's going on in there. Just the name, Faith Hill. When you sit something on a hill, everybody can see it. It becomes a beacon of light. And it needs to say, people are always attracted to light. When it's a good thing, people want to be connected to the, to the good thing. So, so I'm looking at this story of Caleb, and Caleb is saying, hey, be quiet. Hush. We're well able. Caleb was silencing the negativity. He, he was saying, our destiny is waiting for our occupation. It's waiting for us to occupy. We, 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 we've got to begin to engage with the vision. As we engage with the vision, life groups, connect groups, uh, serving, giving, supporting, right? When we engage and occupy that, we begin to fill the space. We begin to fill the atmosphere. As we begin to fill the atmosphere, things begin to change. It's saying that your destiny is waiting, awaiting your occupation. It's waiting for you to occupy it. But what happens is, is so many of us, God has promised us things. God wants us to do things. But we're so caught up being in the wilderness while somebody else is occupying our destiny. Those grapes were not for the Jebusites and all them ites. The grapes were for the Israelis. Israelites. The wrong, <laughs> the wrong ite had the grapes. It wasn't for them Canaanites, the Jebusite, Amushite, Bubushite, Kabushite, whatever ite. It was for the Israelite. You with me? So we got to be careful that we're not caught up in the wilderness. What hasn't happened? The struggle. The issues. The woes. The crying. Oh, I don't boy ever want to be with me for longer than three years. Why am I not getting married? I'm always the bridesmaid. I'm always the maid of honor. I want to have a maid of honor. The wilderness is not a, a, a forever moment. It's a teaching moment. I did this example. Let me do it again. Let me do this chair. Pastor Tavar said it was fine. So. Let me do this chair. Sorry, can I use you for an example? I promise you, I won't embarrass you. What are you doing? I didn't say sit. I just said, can I use you for the example? See, I didn't embarrass you. You made the decision to try to sit. <laughs> okay, stand, stand next to the chair. This is your chair. This is your chair. It might not have your name on it where other people can see it, but it's your chair. This is your chair. It's yours. You own it. It is yours. Say it's mine. It's mine. It's your chair. But what happens is, is, this is our chair, but you're so worried about everything else. 
all these other chairs. Maybe the ones that are empty. Maybe trying to figure out the stories of the ones who are filled. You're looking at everything else, but God's saying, this is your chair for you to occupy. But because you're concerned with everything else, sorry, can I use you for that? Just take a seat. But because you're so concerned about everything else, someone else is now sitting and occupying your chair. You get so caught up in what's not happening. Why isn't the increase coming in my bank account? Why isn't this happening? I've been working the job for four or five years. Why is nobody recognizing me? But God's saying, but this is your chair. You're so caught up, and God's telling you, go get your chair, but you're still concerned with everything else that's not happening. But God's saying, get your chair. And so you come over, you come over, and you like, can I have my chair? He says, it's my chair now. <laughs> Flowing in the Spirit. And that's what happens. People begin to occupy your destiny. And then they get comfortable in your destiny. Eating your food. Eating everything that's supposed to be yours because you're so concerned over there. They're enjoying your destiny. And the moment you want to come to your destiny, they don't want to leave either. But in reality, they're eating something that was never created for them. Which means as long as they keep eating, it will never satisfy them. And they'll never be able to be the fulfill. Ooh, 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 ooh. They will never be able to be the fulfillment of this destiny. And at a certain point, then God kicks them out. <laughs> Last time they wouldn't get up, so I had to force them. And he says, "Come, come and enjoy what I have for you." But get this: don't get comfortable. Because there's more. Wherever God takes you, there's always going to be more. Just because this is your experience right now, I guarantee you there's more. There's bigger. There's better. But enjoy this for now. But in just a couple of seconds, I'm going to tell you to get up. And go get some more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Look at that. Serving in church during the message. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes our fears can keep us from possessing what God has for us. We've got to learn to just do it afraid. Shaking, trembling, whatever. Let's just do it. You don't have it all figured out? Oh, well, I'm going to step out anyway. And when I take the first step, maybe God will speak. He hasn't spoke yet. Take the second step. Maybe he's waiting for you to get to the tenth step. Then he's going to say something. But you're quitting at the eighth. Because I haven't heard from God yet. Just take the step. Caleb was saying, let's just take the step. But what happens is, is sometimes complacency will kill progress. You get complacent. You get comfortable. You get used to a certain thing and it kills the progress. We get so caught up in the did. Come on. This is what we did. You know, remember when we did this? And we did that? And we did this? Remember when that happened? 
and this happened, and that happened. And God's like, yes, that happened, but can we get some new stories? Can we start talking about what we're going to do? So that we can talk about what we did, and then talk about what we're going to do, so then we can talk about what we did. God wants us to move forward, still remembering what we did, but move forward to conquer some more. Remember, I told God, I said, God, I need a house before I'm 40. I got to have my own house before I'm 40. I'm 34. Did it six years before. Praise God. I did not want to be knocking on 40, still trusting God for that. But now I got a new story. I can talk about this one for maybe another two, three weeks. And then I need something else. Because people are like, oh, Pastor, we heard that before. You know, you got blessed with the house. So what's my next one? Okay, but someone came and remodeled it for free. With the top of the line stuff. I mean, I wanted to where, you know, you get off the toilet, flush, and it flushes. You know what I'm saying? I swear. I want some crazy stuff. Like, why you got to go to the toilet? Because, you know, whatever. Caleb possessed this, I'm not dying in the wilderness spirit. He understood that complacency will always kill progress. When Jesus got in the boat of Peter in Luke chapter 5, he told him to launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Peter was like, but we've been struggling all night long. Caught nothing. Now it's daytime. We're washing our nets. We're going home. We're tired. And then Peter said, okay, nevertheless, you, you, you can talk about all of the issues, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. You've got to cast that net, y'all. And, not, and, and don't cast it for something little. Go big. Because this is what I love about it. If you shoot for the sky, like the, the clouds and the stars, and you miss, at least you'll hit the sky. But if you aim for Table Mountain and you miss, you're closer to the ground. I'd rather aim high and miss and get something close to there than not aiming at all. You know what I mean? Go, just do something, something bold this year. I didn't say this is the first service, but in, in January, we're challenging our church. We're going to have a, a, a salvation weekend. So I'll, I'll be back in, in L.A. I'm not in L.A., but in, in Vintage on the 14th of January in teaching. And so in two weeks, I'm going to tell them I wanted 1,000 salvations in one Sunday. Exactly. Exactly the face expression he gave me. Huh? You've got to go big, y'all. People are dying. And some of them are dying without knowing Jesus Christ. Which means we're not doing our job of reconciling people back to Christ. It's not the pastor's job. We've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. we got to get more people saved. we got to reach more people. We probably need about 15,000 more faith-filled churches throughout the world. And maybe it's you. Well, what does that mean? But you're coy. But... Why would I get scared about promoting another church opposite my church in and all for the kingdom? 
So if it's all for the kingdom, then we should be rooting each other on for the kingdom. When Pastor T came to the church and spoke, man, he blew the place out. Man, I was nervous. Like, many people want you. They don't want me no more. I was about to put in the application. Can I be an assistant pastor at Faith Hill? Like, let me know. I will submit, sir. Whatever you need, sir. I will submit. I will but we got to do more. And Caleb was saying, we got to do more, y'all. I'm tired. I'm tired of the manna. I'm tired of the water from the rock. I've tasted the, the, the grapes. I've tasted the pomegranates. I've tasted milk and honey. I don't want that anymore. I want the stuff that I've tasted. I want to keep tasting it more and more. I want to begin to you know, do more stuff. In the wilderness, there's no productivity. There's no creativity. There's just murmuring and complaining in the wilderness. And some of us, we love to murmur and complain. All we do is complain about everything. I be checking myself sometimes like, wait, am I complaining? Why? Am I? Okay, let me be quiet. I'm... In, the, in the wilderness, you can complain. But when you get out of the wilderness, there's nothing to complain about. It's all about dreaming. It's all about creating. It's all about growing. It's all about expanding. They took the, uh, Jericho. After that, they had to go take the next place. And then the next place. And the next place. Why? God was saying, I want to create my kingdom here on earth. Expansion. Always on God's mind. Expanding the kingdom. Getting more souls. I think about in in Exodus when Moses was having an issue and he needed to begin to delegate some power to other people. Exodus 18, it says, go and find some able men. Men of of good report, honorable, integrity. Go find some able men. Reminds me of Caleb saying, you're well able. The difference is, is just because you're able doesn't mean you're doing it. A lot of us have the ability to do something, but we're not doing it. When we talk about perfection and we talk about engaging, we're talking about occupying the space that's within yourself. Occupying the destiny that God has for you, every piece of it. Expanding that, growing that, developing that. And that's what Caleb was saying. Was like, I'm not dying in the wilderness. I'm about to go fight. Yes, they might be, there might be more. Maybe we do look like giants. Maybe we don't know how to fight like them. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone might get taken out. But you know what? I'd rather be out there fighting and trust God. Because who knows? God might just blow his breath and everybody gets slain in the spirit that's fighting against us. But all we got to do is take the first step. And, and guess what? <laughs> Caleb probably was saying, look, guys, did we not take the first step over the sea that turned into dry land? Did God not show us through that and see us through? What's this? Now, God is showing us this, these grapes. I don't know why, Pastor, why are you stuck on these grapes? I like grapes. <laughs> That's why this story ministered to me, because I like grapes. I love them. There's these grapes. Let's move. Let's move. We got somewhere to go. I can't stay here any longer. I'm tired of you. 
here. Let me be tired of you over there. Here, we can't go so far. We're limited because it's the wilderness. The supply only comes in a certain place. Which means I've got to come to that supply. But now God's moving me to a place where the supply is everywhere. Oh, y'all missed that one. I didn't even say that in first service. That just blessed my life right there. If you stay in the wilderness, the supply only comes one place. And there are no leftovers. If there's something left over, you have to throw it away because it's no good. But in, in outside of the wilderness, in the land flowing of milk and honey, there's a supply everywhere. Which means we can spread out, y'all. That's probably why they have so much murmuring and complaining, because it was like 15 people in a one-bedroom house. Just all up on top of each other. Come on, I couldn't wait, man. It was me and my brother in our little room, and I couldn't wait till he moved out for college. Moment he moved out, I took his bed apart, threw the parts everywhere so he couldn't find it. And then when he moved back, I said, hey, bro, you've been gone for about six years. This is my room now. I'll bring in a mattress. You can sleep on the floor. But, man, we got we to gotta expand. Say expand. How do we do that? We've got to birth passion for God's vision. See, there was 12 spies, 10 were the majority, 2 were the minority. The minority lost. But in reality, the minority needs to become the majority. We've got to be, have birth something on the inside of us. It says, I know we might be the limited number of people, but we're more. We're created to be more, created to do more. God wants us to do more. That thing just entered in Caleb's heart, man. I'm not dying in the wilderness. It means we've got to have some audacious goals. We've got to trust God for some big things. And, and we're going to have to have some big actions so that we can experience those big things. We've we got to go bigger. If, okay, think about something you want to believe God for. Okay, you got it? That's too small. That's how we got to start thinking. It's too small. Got to go bigger. Got to go bigger. I go bigger. It should stop. I, I still have five minutes. I'm, I'm keeping my, my clock. Keeping the clock. Okay. I paused it now because I had to take a second to tell him I still have five minutes. Okay. <laughs> now I'm resuming. I'm resuming. I'm resuming. Caleb was saying, let's step out. Let's do something for God. Let's trust him to take us to the next dimension. Trust him to take us to the next level. And if we do that, we're going to experience something. But because they did not want to agree, everyone else didn't make it to the promised land. Caleb and Joshua made it. And imagine they were walking around all those years in the wilderness, staying strong, fortified, while everybody else who had the negative report were dying. God preserved them so that they can experience what they said yes to in the beginning. Isn't that crazy? Because there's one part in Numbers where, where Caleb says, you know what, I'm 85, I'm older now, I'm, I'm a little bit older, but I'm still well able to take this mountain. This is what you promised me. Like This is my land for my family. 
I might be older. My, my eyesight has not diminished. I can pick up this sword. I will kill a person for my mountain. I want my mountain. That thing never died in Caleb. He said, I want everything that God promised me. Everything that God spoke to you about faith Hill is going to come to pass. You just hold on to that thing. I want everything. Guys, we got to start having some problems in church. Let me clarify that. I said in the first service, you know, I'm a little crazy, a little wild. Got a little out there. But we need to start having some problems in church. What type of problems? We need to start having problems with people getting upset because people serve too much. Instead of, you know, getting mad at sister so-and-so because they took your seat, we got to start having, you know, counseling appointments with Pastor Park. Man, I got in a fist fight. Why? Because they wouldn't let me pass the basket. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, that's the good problem. Now. Okay, look, guys, we want you to serve. Keep your hands off of each other. But I'm saying, he always gets to pass the basket down. I want to pass it. I want to park some cars. We got, I want, we got to have a problem to where we put people on a waiting list to serve. Oh, you signed up to serve? I'm so sorry. There's a, there's a waiting list. Um, we hopefully will get back to you in about a year or two. To serve. Right? Come on, for kids. Yes, amen, for kids. That's a problem, y'all. And you see somebody that ain't been to church in a while, right? Like, why, why'd you leave? Because I couldn't serve. The waiting list was too long for me to serve. That is a problem. You got to start having some problems. Caleb was saying, let's just go. Who knows what's going to happen? But I do know why we fight, and I'm going to be eating some grapes. <laughs> I know while I'm fighting and we're taking a little break, I know I won't be having manna tonight. I'm going to have some grapes tonight. I'm going to have a pomegranate tonight. You know, I'm going to have some milk and honey tonight. With my tea, with my rubber tea. Caleb I'm just saying, you got to hire some pop. And so when Caleb, when Caleb got there, when he got there, and he said, Man, we are well able. He was using a Hebrew word that's very intensive and repetitive. It wasn't just we're able and he walked away. He was creating a chant. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. We're crossing. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. We're crossing. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. He was was creating this chant, trying to get some more people to catch on. And the only person that caught on was Joshua. Caleb was like, be quiet. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. We're crossing over. And Joshua was like, we sure are. Matter of fact, let's delight in the Lord. Let's obey his commands. Matter of fact, those people over there, they're our bread. That was so gangster. So boss. So kosher. So amazing. <laughs> Worked it in there for you. So kosher. How do you say gangster, boss, kosher? In L.A., that is so gangster. That was so hood. He was like, they are brand. 
That's walking up to somebody and saying, you're my provision. You're my bread. You're my dinner. Man, after that phone call of someone calling and telling me they blessed me with the house, I changed my expectation level. Yeah. Every time I get a phone call, what you calling to bless me with? That's how I start the conversation. What you calling to bless me with? My real estate agent that's helping us to locate a piece of property. He called me. Are you coming? You calling someone blessing me with a piece of property? Well, no, not quite. Well, call me back when you got the blessing in your hand. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Every time someone calls me, I have an expectation. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. We're crossing over. For Caleb, that was his defining moment. He went down in the history of history because he was willing to say, yes, we are. In the beginning, you heard about the 12 spies, but after that, after the negative report, they don't even talk about them no more. But we still talk about Caleb. We still talk about Joshua. Why? Because they were saying, yes, we are. Yes, we will. I remember I was playing uh, uh, football, American football. You know what I'm talking about? Not, not you know, like rugby. Yeah, real football. Not the soccer stuff and playing with the foot. I don't get it. I can't watch soccer. Because as soon as they go to score a goal and they miss it, then it's like I got to build my excitement all over again. There's too many letdowns. Like, I just, they be looking real dope with it, you know. And then they miss it and like, all of that goodness for nothing, man. Just, I was like, you know what? Some soccer, you can sit over there. Well, I play American football in, in, in grade 12. I got benched because I missed a play. I got benched. Now, I was a starter all, all three years, all four years. In the midst of the season, I missed a play, got benched. I got offended. So at the end of the season, they put all of the, like, the non-starters in the game at the last like five, ten minutes of the game. So they put me in. I was like, really? I've been a starter. You going to put me in with all of these people? Don't even know how to hit. Don't know how to do nothing. Don't put me in. Got offended. So when it came time to take the picture, for the team picture, I didn't come. I don't want to be a part of that. But when I go back to school, I can never say I was a part of that team. Why? Because I'm not in the picture. You laughing, but there's something deep in there. Don't allow your offense. Don't allow your lack. Don't allow your insufficiencies to wipe you out of history. So you're here today on Faith Hill's third birthday. But can you be here on the 10th and written in history? So you can say, yeah, I remember. I remember when we did that. We had two services. Now we got eight. I remember when we had two locations. Now we got 15. I remember when we were doing worship, now we got 10 albums. Like, we're knocking on the door during a celebration. They're like 22. 22? 23? Something like that. That's ridiculous. That we can get there. Come on. So for, for, for Caleb, it was his defining moment. And he was saying, yes, we are. Life groups, how many more we want? 100? Yes, we are. We're expanding another church? Yes, we will. We need to give more? 
we are well able. Why? Because we're crossing over. We're crossing. Yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. We're crossing over. Let's move forward. Let's take more land. Let's possess all that God has for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, yes, we are. Yes, we will. We are well able. And we are crossing over. Shout, I'm crossing over in my finances. And some of you are in the, in the desert concerning your finances. I mean, they would only get manna for the day. Some of you have enough money just for today. But over there in the land that flows with milk and honey, there's going to be an abundance. Someone shout, I'm crossing over in my finances. Someone shout, I'm crossing over in my relationship. You know, I was sharing with some uh, leaders that I mentor. And I was telling them, man, when it comes to your relationship with your wife, you need to have abundance in your trust account. What that means is every time you do something good, you make a deposit. Every time you buy flowers, you make a deposit. Every time you make a mistake, you withdraw it. And I was saying, never, never be caught in overdraft. Someone shout, I'm crossing over in my trust account. I'm crossing over in my service to the kingdom of God. I'm crossing over in my giving to the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Not just a little bit, you know, to the penny. Before I understood giving, I would tithe 6,123.21 to the penny. Just to tell God, you know what, I'm not going to rob you, but I won't allow you to rob me. But when I I understood when you cross over, it's abundance, we round it off upwards by about a thousand. That's crossing over. Wasn't that good? Man, we received that word. We received that word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for healing. Lord, we thank you for we know you have redeemed us from the curse of sickness. And right now, we speak to these bodies and release life. You said in your word in Isaiah 53 verse 5, He was wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And if we are healed, we release healing right now. Body, I command you to resume perfect function. Pain free. In Jesus' name, amen. Just begin to exercise your faith and begin to do what you couldn't do. Amen. If you are here and you've been living a life of stress, anxiety, and worry, we want to pray for you as well. Restless nights, nightmares, waking up at night, wondering where the next meal is coming from, wondering about this and that. We want to pray for you. We're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for peace. 
Your peace which surpasses all understanding. Your peace which goes beyond what we can figure out. Father, we release that peace this morning to be a garrison, to be an anchor of my sister's soul. We speak against restless nights. We speak against nightmares. And Father, we release the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And Father, we thank you in advance for it in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ we have prayed. And everyone say,